Hi, so this is Gide Kuas from Passion for God Ministries. And today I want to talk about finances. Now, you may think that is a funny subject. Well, we're not talking about money necessarily. We're not trying to raise any money either. We're not going to ask you for money. This is a talk about how to experience for yourself God's abundance and God's provision supernaturally. I have many people come to me and one of their requests for prayer is and, and request for ministry is to help them uh, live in abundance because they experience lack and shortage no matter how hard they work. Sometimes both both spouses are working and there is always this lack. There's always this worry about is it gonna is it gonna be enough? Or they experience continuous um, shortage or things being stolen from them. People have told me how they've lost inheritance that was marked for them and somehow it was stolen from them. Sometimes it's people who try to put money aside and are hoping that they can save and then some emergency happens, the car breaks down, you know, that the roof is leaking and so they have to use all their money. So that money is gone again. They never can get ahead. They never get a break. And um, so when people come to me with those symptoms and asking me for prayer, for ministry, um, I usually look at a couple of things. I'm looking at what are their belief systems when it comes to money? How do they see money? How do they treat money within the context of being a Christian, within the context of being a child of God? Because the Bible is full of promises that God wants to abundantly bless his children. And so if that's in the Bible, that is the standard, that is the measure. That is what God wants to do. If we are not experiencing it, then my experience has shown me over and over again, and the scriptures bear this out as well, that there is something blocking the blessing that God has for you. So then we need to stop and ask the right questions. We don't resign ourselves to poverty and lack and say, well, this is what God wants for me. Um, God just wants to teach me some lessons and I need to learn how to be poor. No, we ask the right questions. We say, well, it is written that God wants to uh, bless me. So why am I not being blessed? Is it, there's a simple te uh, test to do. I usually tell people, if you know John 10 verse 10, it tells you clearly what to, ex what to expect from the family um, excuse me, what to expect from the enemy and what to expect from God. So Jesus put this quite simply for us. And he says, the devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come to give life in abundance. So that's quite clear. Even I can understand that. So if I look at my life and I see 
If I'm being stolen from, things are being destroyed, dreams are being killed, perhaps even loved ones are dying too early, um, <clears throat> but we're talking in the context of finances here, things are being stolen from us, that is a clear sign of the enemy at work. It's like we go by smell, don't you? You walk in a house, you smell um, some damp smell, some dank smell, then you know there is something wrong. There is a damp problem in the house somewhere, right? Um, or you can walk into a house and smell a delicious smell of food cooking, roast dinner cooking, and you already know what's going on. Oh, in the kitchen, somebody's cooking. That's how we need to look at our lives and recognize symptoms. And so um, what I have found is that many Christians do not know some simple principles that God has put in the Bible for us to follow. It's so simple. And if we take them into our lives and put them into the into the bedrock of our belief system, we will start seeing results. One of the first thing I would say is that you, we need to get rid of the wrong thinking in our mind. And one of the worst um, mindset is one that says, well, I don't deserve this. You know, I've been bad. It's my fault. I'm getting what I deserve. We may say, I'm not good enough to be blessed. You know, I understand God blesses everyone else but me. No, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I deserve it. Um, and you, you self-reject yourself. So we call that self-rejection. You reject yourself before God. While well, God does not reject his children. Right? Jesus says, come. Come unto me. Come all. All who are weary and, and heavy burdened. Come to me. He welcomes everyone. And so if I'm rejecting myself, I'm going against God's word. Because God is not rejecting me. So why am I rejecting myself? The enemy wants you to reject yourself. Because then you will bind yourself um, in a lot of lack and poverty and, and destructive mindset. And you will reap what you believe. Right? If you believe bad things, bad things will happen. If you believe God's word, then God's word will happen in your life. It's quite simple as that. So I want to share with you um, five principles that I found that they help. If you can, uh, if you can renew your mind in accordance with these five principles, then you um, you will break into this abundance that the Father has for you. Well, talking about the the destructive mindset we just uh, mentioned uh, before, um, the first thing you need to do is get rid of that to stop thinking about how bad um, you you probably are, um, what you need to realize is that how much the Father loves you. See, in John 16, 27, Jesus beautifully reveals to his disciples how much the Father loves them. Because I think they, 
they hung around Jesus and they see how much the father loves him and they just assume well yeah I mean the father loves you but us we're not perfect look at the mistakes we keep making um, how can we how can we expect the father to like us and Jesus says beautifully in John 16 27 the father himself loves you so the father himself it's it's a it's an emphasis saying it's not just me Jesus is saying it's not just me loving you but it's the father you know the greatest one behind me he himself loves you because it was his plan to save you it wasn't Jesus plan to save you it it came from the father for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son you see so it started with the father loving us so much seeking for a way to bridge the gap that opened up when Adam and Eve sinned and so he decided to put this plan in action by sending his son so Jesus is just executing the father's love everything he did in the four Gospels you can read everything he did he was executing God's amazing love for you so it's now time for you to accept that the father loves me he wants to bless me what do I have to do what is standing in the way for me experiencing his blessings now the Bible speaks quite clearly about um, abundant prosperity about blessings but it is not like perhaps you may have heard from TV evangelists that you know you've got to give a thousand you know I can feel you've got a thousand pounds in your pocket if you give it to me you know I'll send you a CD and a DVD that will change your life in other words if you don't your life won't get changed now that's not what we're saying here we're looking at purely scriptures that talks about God's built-in biblical principles that we need to put in our lives and then it automatically opens up blessings it's got nothing to do so much with money you know financial blessings to live in financial blessings it's not necessarily about money it's about your heart a do you love the father do you know he loves you are you passionate for Jesus is he your everything if you can answer yes to those questions that's good we're on the right path the next thing is you need to build some principles based on the fact that you know that you're loved and based on the fact that you that you love him we're gonna put these principles so they're not tick box exercises it's a hard thing you need to feel for God you need to feel for Jesus you need to be in love with him and then these principles are just uh, uh, an outflow of that it it's they're not something that you do outside of the love for God so let's have a look the first one I would say it is this God has to be the source of my financial provision so I have people coming to me and they say you know they're short they're tight and um, they can't make ends meet month to month and it is because often they look at their bank account they look at their payslip and they judge their financial power 
an ability on those two pieces of paper or online documents. <laughs> Nowadays they're online, right? Your payslip, your bank account, you look at them and you're saying, no, I'm not going to make it this month. You know, we need to buy new shoes for the kids. I need to do big repairs on the cars. My washing machine just broke down. There's no way we're going to make it. And then panic kicks in. So that is when God is not the source of your financial provision. We need to have this belief system that says, it's not my employment, it's not my employer, not my skills, not my in intelligence or opportunities, but God is the source from whom financial provision comes. This means even when employment falls away, even if bank accounts fall away, I can still look to God from whom alone comes everything I need. I am not dependent on earthly circumstances to enable me to experience financial abundance from God. Alright? And we've got a few scriptures to go with that so that you can underpin this scripturally. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, For it is He, the Lord, who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It is the Lord. So wealth comes from the Lord. Financial abundance, prosperity comes from the Lord. And I've experienced that in my life. I've lived probably about three decades before I broke through into financial abundance, supernaturally. But three decades at least I lived from, with lack. Just looking at my payslip and never making it. Never having enough. Living from hand to mouth. Often the money runs out before the end of the month before the next payslip and it's usually grim and then throw in on top of that things breaking in the house the car breaking down there was a time that I had to leave my car standing for six months because I just didn't have the money to repair it but that was before I understood that God wanted to take care of all that if I could just believe his word so then I realized it is the Lord who will give me the ability to produce wealth. I need to agree with this scripture and say, okay, that's fine. My bank account tells me I don't have enough. So I'm lifting my head to God. You know, the Bible says um, we lift up our our eyes to the, to the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the hills from whence shall come your help. Your help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. You know, Psalm 23 verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You could paraphrase it is the Lord because the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not lack. Right? Now this is a vital piece of information here um, that we often forget. We we spiritualize Psalm 23 so much, you know, it's a beautiful psalm to, to meditate upon, but let's stay real okay the first verse is telling you that if the lord is your shepherd you should not lack anything so if i'm lacking something i'm thinking okay so i'm not believing this i'm not activating this scripture for my life just because it's written in the bible by the way it doesn't mean it's going to work for you you need to activate it everything is unlocked every promise of god is unlocked through faith by faith. I've got to believe this and then it works for me. 
So I need to remove unbelief from my mind. I need to remove the, the fear of just looking at my payslip and judging whether I'm, I'm okay or not. I'm looking to God, who is the source of everything. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. And he made the universe. He made the heavens and the earth, it says. I mean, now they're discovering so many billions of galaxies in the, in the universe. And the Bible says he breathed stars into being. Wow, this is our father. Why are you worried about that 100 pounds you need this month? When he breathed galaxies into existence. That's my daddy. And so when I put my faith in that, I can say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Thank you, Father, that you're going to take care of that bill. Thank you, Father, you're going to take care of that car. Thank you, Father, you're going to take care of that leaking roof. You're going to make supernatural wealth appear for me. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says this, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. See, God is not a God that talks about cheapness and poverty. Wherever you see poverty and lack in the Bible, it's a curse or a judgment. Okay? So judgment can come on people who bow down to idols, worship the devil and, and walk away from God, disobeys clear commandment from God. But those who love him, his children, we don't have part of that. We, that's not our outlook. That's not our expectancy. Our expectancy is surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 23 verse 6. Look that up. All right. But this verse here, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 is fantastic. It tells me that God is able, not my payslip, not my employer. God is able to make all grace abound to you. He'll give you all the grace you need. Everything you need, the strength, the comfort, the courage to do what you need to do so that you will always, always have all sufficiency in everything. You will never lack so that you may experience abundance. Wow, this is good stuff. I hope you're enjoying this. So this is just the first point that God is the source of my financial provision. God Today I make you my Jehovah Jireh. Right? You need to make a pact with God. Lord, I pact, I make a pact with you that I'm going to let you and I'm going to focus my faith on this fact that you are my Jehovah Jireh and I will never lack. You are able to make me have abundance in every way in my life. Amen? The second point is obedience brings abundant prosperity. That's another bit that's so clear in the scripture. I mean, you need to be blind not to have come across it if you read your Bible, that when you obey God, blessings abound. So I need to also have my life in order. So remember, you, you are saved by grace, but you need to live a life worthy of that grace. That forgiveness has been given to you. It doesn't mean I just pray the prayer, Jesus come in my heart, 
I've been a, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Jesus comes in my heart. I'm saved. Right now, every night, nightclubs, strip clubs, pornography, sleeping around with women, stealing money, um, doing unrighteous act, not paying my taxes, hiding money from the government. I can't live like that. If you live like that, you will not experience blessings coming to you. How do I know this? Deuteronomy 28 gives us a clear charter of how to walk into God's blessings. So the first 14 verses, Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14, are all the blessings you can expect from God. I want to highlight the financial bits of this. And it starts from verse 2. All these blessings will come, up, will come upon you. How? And overtake you. If you obey the Lord your God. Okay? So that's the, that's the premise. That's the condition. I need to live a life that is obedience. Obedient to God. Alright? So certain things that I used to do, I may not do anymore. Because I love God now. I live different. I don't steal. And you think, well, yeah, I don't rob banks. Well, you don't just have to rob a bank to steal, you know. But you can you can steal from the government by declaring less income that, that you are actually making so that you don't pay tax. You can lie to the government so, to, so that you don't pay what they're due. Um, I had a guy once who um, colluded with... Um, with a local mechanic not to pay VAT so that he can get his car repaired cheaper and he comes to me and says you know I'm struggling financially we don't have enough we're always tight and I said well that's the first thing you need to address stop stealing from the government pay your VAT right this is in the UK VAT in the US you would call it sales tax and pay Give to Caesar what, what Caesar is due, Jesus said. You know, pay your taxes and trust God to bless you because you do that. You won't lack. If you obey God, you will not lack. So this guy listened and it was a bit hard for him because the mechanic used to give him good deals if he doesn't, um, you know, if he pays cash. And then this mechanic doesn't declare it to the government. And so he doesn't have to pay uh, VAT back to the government. And so they had a nice thing going there. But it was cursing this Christian's finance. When he changed garage, he, he changed the mechanic and went to a, um, a car um, garage where they, they, they charge you properly. They give you an invoice. You can see the VAT. You can see the sales tax on it. When he changed that, things started changing for him money started coming he started being blessed right that's how real these things are so if i obey the lord my god then these blessings will come upon me what are these blessings verse 11 deuteronomy 28 verse 11 the lord will make you abound in prosperity verse 12 the lord will open for you his good storehouse the heavens to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand and you shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow so you won't be in debt verse 13 the lord will make you the head and not the tail 
and you will only be above. You will not be underneath. You won't be the underdog. You'll be the one that blesses. You're the one that dishes out blessings, not the one that's always in need and having to receive and ask things from people. This is what is your portion if you obey the Lord. And there are so many ways that um, we we need to polish our, our lives up, see what we're doing. How do we deal with financial blessings? I had a guy, too, a, a married couple, who told me how they're financially so tight. And there were certain principles in their lives, too, that they had to put in place. Um, you know, one of the things is, uh, for example, that don't do anything unrighteous. Um a family member of them asked them to take some money. He, she was going to transfer some money into this Christian couple's account so that this person can hide money from her husband and hide money from the government so that you know they could, they could qualify from benef- for benefits because some benefits you won't get if they see you have a big savings account. And so, well, can you hide this money from me? I'll transfer it into your account and you just look after it for me until I need it. And this person, because they're related, they're family members, he said, yes, well, yeah, you do anything for family, right? No, the word of God says you put God first. So because he did that unrighteous thing, you could see his prayers were being blocked for getting financial blessings. Um, part of it he even lost his his job and it isn't until they put it right when I told them I said well this this that has to be put right if you want to break through in your finances you need to be righteous in your dealing with finances so he repented sent the money back and God started blessing him he was looking for a job that he couldn't get before he went to several interviews never got through to the to the actual getting the job, suddenly he got a job. Suddenly he started paying off his debts. So it's important for us to see these things. The natural money bit of finances is directly linked to our spiritual status in the spiritual world before God. Our obedience, because we love him. We want to do what's right. Amen? So the third principle I want you to look at is this. You need to expect, you need to believe that God wants to give you your heart's desires. Can you believe that? You know, the things that you dream about, the things that you long to have for yourself, for your family or to bless others. How, you know, can I really believe that God wants to give me that? Or does he say, well, stop being so, you know, selfish. You just have to live without, live without leaking roof. You know, live with that old car that keeps breaking down. Stop being selfish and want a new car. Do you think that's what God's saying? If you are, if you're thinking that's what God's saying, I'm calling that a distorted God view. You have a wrong image of who God is. Because God says in Psalm 37 verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? So it's a condition that's attached to it. That's why I said earlier, it's not just a ticking um, box exercise. It is from your heart. You need to make the Lord a reason for your joy. 
You need to make the Lord a reason for getting up in the morning. And when you can do that, when the Lord is everything to you, and you can rejoice in him while the car is still broken, you're waiting for God to do his miracle, but you're rejoicing already because he is good and he loves you, he will give you the desires of your heart. I've experienced that. So before I could teach these things, I went through it myself. And once I broke through and I realized, oh, it's not just for me, it's for everyone. And I start um, teaching these kind of things and helping people to put their lives in order before God. You see, they experience the same thing. All right? So if you put the Lord as your reason for joy, the, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. You have given him, in Psalm 21 verse 2, the psalmist says, You have given him his heart's desire, and you have not withheld the request of his lips. Again, it shows you a God that wants to give heart's desires. Psalm 84, 11, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, do you see that? Walk uprightly, that's what we were talking earlier on, obedience honoring God in your financial dealings, then you can expect no good thing will he withhold from me. Okay? We're not talking that he'll do that only for those who are perfect. None of us are. But obedience, upright, uprightly, walking uprightly means, you know, to the, to the best of your knowledge, in the light that you have currently, you are obeying what God is asking of you. Right? And as long as your conscience is clear and you say, well, Lord, I've obeyed you. You know, you, you told me to stop doing this. You, you told me to, to, to give this amount over there, to bless this person, to do whatever he's asking you to do. So your heart is pure before God. Now start expecting no good thing will he withhold from me. Psalm 34 verse 10. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. They who seek the Lord. So are you seeking the Lord? Are you like me? You know, we seek the Lord. Lord, I want to do your will. I want to please you. What do you want me to do today? And you, you pray, you bless your children, you bless your family, you bless your friends. You listen to the Holy Spirit. You're seeking his face to see how you can please him for the day. Now, hang on. That says if you do that, you shall not be in want of any good thing. Remember, these verses kick into action when you believe them. You need to activate them. You need to put your eyes on them and say, Lord, I partner with this truth. I make a pact with this verse. That's for me because you love me. That's for me. All right? I, I, I want to, I feel I need to say, you know, some, some of you listeners can be attacked by condemnation. Now, we're not talking about condemnation here. The Holy Spirit convicts, he doesn't condemn. So, when the Lord wants to show me something wrong in my life, he speaks gently. He, he points me to that thing and I will gladly get rid of it because I don't want anything to overshadow my relationship or to block the things he has for me. So 
I listen. I don't feel condemned. Condemnation can come from the devil so that he makes you feel bad about something that has got nothing to do with it. Bad about a sin that you've already confessed and it's gone. You don't have to feel bad about it. But conviction of the Holy Spirit is uh, the father saying, okay, son, I I don't think that's a good idea. You know, you keep taking your church notices that you want to photocopy, take them to work and use your employer's toner and ink on their photocopier and make a thousand copy for next Sunday. I don't think that's a good idea. Right? That's stealing toner from your employer. It's different if you want one or two copy and you ask permission. You go to your employer and you say, excuse me, you know, this is for a personal matter. Is it possible if I can make, you know, a copy or two of this? You can even off- offer, uh, you know, I'll bring my own paper. You know, I'll pay something into the petty cash tin. Um, you often find the employer will say, oh, no, don't be daft. Just do it. It's fine. But if you go without the permission and do it, especially if you abuse it, and make a hundred copies or a thousand copies, you are taking something that is not yours. And you can open a door for the enemy to curse your finances. So those little things. You see, you don't have to rob a bank to be stealing. You need to live uprightly before the Lord and remove any foothold that the enemy can use against you. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of anything. I'm going to try and rush through the number four and five. So number four is, I need to expect God to surprise me with his goodness. God is able to bless me with things I haven't even asked or prayed for. So, just because he loves me, and because I have put him first in my passions, he sometimes wants to just surprise me with his goodness. And so sometimes I've I've been blessed with things I haven't even prayed for or prayed properly, right? I remember when my car was broken, as I said earlier, and I and uh, I couldn't repair it. I had to take a long bus ride to work, and I had to walk a lot to to get to where I had to go. And I would look around and see beautiful cars drive by. But there was no complaint in my heart. I was waiting for God's promises to kick in. He had told me, if I believe these scriptures, everything will change in my life. If I start seeing him as my provider. So I'm practicing these things. I'm looking at these scriptures. I'm declaring them over my life. But in the meantime, I still have to walk to work. But I'm not complaining because he is good and he loves me. And his timing is perfect. And I look at these beautiful cars overtaking me by the road. And I didn't pray and ask for a a new car. I remember just thinking, just a wish. Wow, wouldn't it be cool to drive a brand new car one day? I had never by then driven a new car. I didn't pray. I think I didn't even have faith to pray for that yet so I just it's a fleeting desire in my heart soon soon after that the Lord visited me in my room while I was praying and he said to me I am gonna give you a brand new car 
See, I didn't pray for that. He told me he's going to give it to me. So, wow, okay, that's, this is nice. I just believe. You know, if he tells me something, I believe. And I've noted it down in my diary. God promised me a new car. And fast forward some time, indeed, I was given a brand new car. And I didn't even pray for that. That was just a wishful, a fleeting thought. That's what the Father does sometimes. You see, he just surprises you with something. Some things you need to believe for, stand on, on his promises and believe. Some things, it just fleets through your mind, and the next day you've got it. So, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That means live right, live in obedience, obey God, love him first. And all these things will be added to you. All these things you need all these things you would like will be just given to you automatically and sometimes without you having to ask. That's literally what it's saying there. Ephesians 3 verse 20 God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, the power of the Holy Spirit. Alright? God is able. You don't have to be able. God is able to do far more than what you can ask or think. That surprise element has to be in our, in our belief system. You know, yes, I'm praying, doing my best, praying for all things I need to pray, but God is able to do far more, and he will surprise me with his goodness. The last one, point five, is this. And this is the very important one. This is one that some people stumble over. It is this. If I give generously, if I live a life of giving generously and cheerfully with a happy heart financially, God will show himself financially generously to me. Scriptural basis, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. If you sow sparingly, you will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. For God loves a cheerful giver. All right now, what does this tell us? Quite clearly, it tells us that I can determine what level of blessings I'm going to have. I cannot be someone that is abundantly blessed if I'm cheap towards God and tight, right? Um, I had a guy once just be so offended and walked away um, from this ministry because um, he wanted so much input in his life and he wants to give small change to God. He was not prepared to say, God, you want to bless me. Um, I'm so grateful for what I'm receiving from you. I'm going to let money speak, right? If you're receiving, if you're being blessed, then you need to show your gratitude towards God by blessing that ministry through which you are receiving the blessing, right? Because, you know, God doesn't need your money, to be honest, right? He doesn't work with paper money or bitcoins or you know whatever type of money um, we deal with 
but we do and for us to to function in this world we need money and money can be such an idol and so attached to your heart and when people get offended when you talk about money for me that's a sign that they have a problem with money their their god view is wrong their ungodly beliefs are totally bad and so they don't have the right framework biblical framework how to deal with money and so they usually people you can look at their own finances they're they're tight they don't know abundance they're afraid um, of uh, being short and so that tells me that they're really not wanting to look they don't want to look at what's wrong with them so I would say, you know, if you want a breakthrough in God, you need to learn to be generous. And generous depends from where you're coming from. So do you remember Jesus sitting at the temple watching this old lady, this widow, putting, a, you know, a copper, copper coin into the offering? And Jesus says she gave the most because the others come, the rich and they can give a thousand pounds, a hundred pounds. But this lady gave all that she had. She gave 100%. Forget 10%. She gave 100%. Jesus says that's all she got. That, that's all she had. And she, she sunk it into the, the collection. Great will be her reward. Because to the measure, the standard, for by this your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. So if I give 100%, guess what? God's going to bless me 100%. If I'm cheap with God, oh, do I have to give 10%? Oh, that's a bit too much. That's quite steep. 10% of my income. See, the Bible teaches in the Old Testament tithing. So 10% is, is a standard of giving. But in the New Testament, Jesus puts this verse, Luke 6.38, which I just read, Give, and it will be given to you. If you are generous, they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Okay, but if you're cheap and tight, it tells you in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Why? Verse 7, in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves when we, we're not attached to money. We're not afraid of lacking. So if God, so if God asks your last, ask for your last 10 pounds in your account to give it to the missions or giving to your church or give it to the ministry that is ministering to you, helping you get a breakthrough, right? God says, give it to them then your heart has to be happy and not thinking, oh, but that's my last 10 pounds. What am I going to do? I'm going to lack. No, you're going to kick in standing on those verses. You're going to kick into action, into faith and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. That is how I have seen so many miracles, financial miracles happen in my life. Did you know that I once had you know, tens of thousands of debts because of wrong choices in life before I understood God's principles. And I went into debt instead of expecting God to provide. I went into debt. 
So later when God showed me all these principles, you shall be the head, not the tail. You know, you shall lend to many, but not borrow. When I understood these principles, I started looking to him to provide the things that I need instead of going into debt. But I was already in debt. So, but God, being a father, being the good, good father that he is, he just said to me, I'm going to pay off your debts now. And I said, okay, that's very nice of you. And indeed he did. But how did he do that? He started blessing me. I started getting promotions after promotions. Once he doubled my income overnight. And from there on, he led me to better jobs. I was headhunted for better jobs. And through that, every time I got an increase, remember it is the Lord who gives you power to make wealth. Every time I got a bit more breathing in my income, I sank it into debt payment. I, I didn't go on an expensive holiday. I didn't buy a brand new car. I just paid off my debts. I made it a priority. You see, being righteous, doing what is right. God enabled me to pay off all my debts, all right, so that I can be debt-free. That is how God works. If you activate these principles in your life, get rid of thinking, wrong thinking, that I need to be poor. God wants me to be poor. Um, God doesn't answer my prayers. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. Did you know that Hebrews 10, 14 says, by one sacrifice, you were made perfect? What? Yes, by one sacrifice, you were made perfect before God, legally before the Father. All your sins have been paid, not only the sins you've committed, but the sins you will commit in the future too. They've all been washed away through the blood of Jesus and you can stand clean before God. And he deals with you as if you are Jesus. That's what righteousness is. His righteousness is that he deals with you as if you've never sinned, as if you are Jesus. And he looks you in the eyes and he says, you are my child. Everything I have is yours. Luke 15 verse 30, look that up. The father said to the son, everything I have is yours. Right? So... Come to the Father. Let him father you. Ask him to father you. Tell him, today, Lord, I make you my father. I give you permission to father me. Today I make a pact with you for you to be my Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the source of all my income. Today I make a pact with you to be my shepherd so that I shall not lack. Today I make a pact with, with the truth in your word that says, my expectation, my portion in life is that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So, I hope you've enjoyed this. Next uh, time I will talk about um, if there is a curse on your finances. Sometimes there can be generational curses because of an unrighteousness that was done. A fraudulent act was done perhaps by ancestors that can curse your finances and you need to put it right. So I will talk next time how to put it right and release the blessings of God over your life as well. So God bless you. If you need any help, if you want to talk this over, you can email me. You can contact me on my website. My website is passionforgodministries, one word, 
passionforgodministries.org and there you can click on contact us and I will get your email or you can email me at info at passionforgodministries.org and I will um, make sure to reply to you. You can ask for a session with me. You can um, ask for anything you need help with. Um, God bless you and may God reveal his abundance to you. May he open your eyes to see so that you can see how much he loves you and that only goodness and mercy he has for you. For I know the plans I have concerning you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. That's what the Father says to us today. So God bless you. I'm Guido Kuas from Passion for God Ministries. God bless you.